The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gillen. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to yet another program here on The Shepherd Afternoons with Mike. And it is my joy at this time each and every day to present a guest who is uh, doing something for the Lord, and that is exactly what Christy Naruzzi does. Christy is a credit Christy to many people. She's a podcaster, she's a mortgage expert, and she's an author. And we're going to be talking about all of those things. Uh, she is a, an advisor to so many, and I know, Christy, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Mike. Good afternoon. So great to see you. It is great to have you here. Thank you. This is an exciting day for you because you're getting ready to do something with your new book, Tonight, tonight, tonight it is. Yes, you're going to be doing a book signing. A book signing today the, is is the official launch date of my published book. That is so exciting. Now I know that in this day and age, I've talked to a number of authors. Everything has changed in the publishing world. Yes, this is your second book. My second book. Yes. Yeah, and you've got another one. I know that's already already in process. brewing. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness, I can't imagine that. But it, again, going back to this book. In this day and age uh, of publishing, things are different than what they were e even a few years ago, right? I believe so. My first book, I self-published, and it just was a very different experience to just hire an editor and then, you know, plop it onto Amazon. I have an audio version of that book, a Kindle version, and a printed version, and it was almost like anticlimactic the day it published. It was February 19th of last year, and I thought it was going to feel something different, and then it was published yeah. and that was it. But this is very different working through a publishing company. And, um, it was funny yesterday. Um, I was with my mom and my husband and I, I pulled up on my phone. I'd put in the title of the book, which is finish financially free just to see what comes up. And there's a listing of uh, pre-order through Barnes and Noble. So I was super excited to did see that. that come I did that come up as the first thing? <laughs> it did. Oh so my I a, goodness. I had a screenshot that that was a lot of fun. Yeah. I know that has to be, I mean, these small moments like that are big moments yes. uh, to, a, to an author like yourself like this. And, and I know that, uh, you know, we've talked about it. You were recently just a couple of days ago on Mark's show. Yes. And you kind of broke the news about this book, and I'm holding a copy of it right now, literally holding a copy of it right now. And it's called, as you said, Finish Financially Free. Yep. Uh, you've, got, uh, you've got a beautiful scheme of color, a palette of colors on this book. It's simple, green, black, and white, and it is well done. And so it is uh, carrying this kind of subtitle, Identify Your Money Beliefs, Master your money, live in abundance. Wow, that's a great goal, and yet so few today have that uh, reality in their lives, right? Right, and, and I was there as well. About 10 years ago, I was just swimming in thousands of dollars in debt, and I was working really hard. Uh, I had multiple jobs, actually, and um, I just couldn't seem to get ahead. And I knew that there had to be a better way. I think most people that experience that kind of, um, you know, just being stretched to the limit more month than there is money feels like there's got to be a better way. 
And, you know, in, in full disclosure, looking back 10 years ago, costs weren't what they are today. That's so right. it's even compounded yeah. to an yeah. nth degree with what costs are right now. It's, it's it's literally insane. I'm looking around at some of the things that is is the cost. I was with my mom this past weekend and her cable bill just went up to $223. For cable TV? Just, just for cable. That doesn't even include internet. I'm like, mom, we've, we've got to oh, do you something. you got to get rid of that. Right now. Yeah. yeah. We, we kicked cable a long time ago. Oh, yeah. But you know, um, it, it, it isn't necessarily just about taking those little steps of cutting here and cutting there. It really has a lot to do with mindset. And our mindset is because of beliefs that we live into. And that's where it all started. That's when I, I, I spent thousands of dollars going to workshops and seminars and reading books and just trying to uncover what is my block? What is my problem? You know, I'm capable of so much more. Don't but you think most people would be? I, I imagine that. I think that we all wake up one day and think like, I'm capable of, of so much yeah. more than just chasing down a, a paycheck to pay bills to get by. Like, I think life was intended to be so much bigger than that. And we're called yeah. to give and contribute. But if we're not able to even meet our obligations, yeah. what's left to give? Your title carries so many, uh, I mean, it's like one of those titles that, points in different directions, although you've got an arrow that's pointing to the right, which is good. Like you've got to keep moving it down the Forward. road. That's right. You've got to do it, but it's finish financially free. So there's, when I think about my age, finishing is a big deal. Yep. I think we need to finish well. We have to finish well. And you know, it didn't occur to me until I think I entered my forties where I was like, oh my gosh, the day I stop working is the day I stop earning. Yeah. I need to have passive income. I need to have retirement accounts set up. And I think that there's a lot of people that enter their forties and they start realizing retirement is not that far off and I've got to do something unless I'm going to work until my dying day. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can't even see myself not working because work has been such, um, such a part of who I am that I do want to get to the point though, where I can choose who I work with. And yeah. if I'm working late on Friday and, you know, if I'm opening up my computer on the weekend or, or something along those lines, I want to get to that point where I get to have more choice in, right. in my schedule, but I don't know that I will ever stop working, but the have to would be really nice where I'm in charge. And so I, I realized I needed to start making some really big shifts. And then I started to learn, and this is really part, most of what I teach in the book, is our beliefs are borrowed beliefs, right? Mm. Somebody taught you something, and it was probably something that was taught to them. For instance, my father was born in 1935, so he's from the Depression era, what do you think that he taught me? Maybe not by the spoken word, but by his actions, by the way he said things, the way he handled money, the relationship he had yeah. with money. Would have been shaped by that difficult time and scarcity. maybe yeah, scarcity. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So that was what was deeply infused into my belief system. And I didn't even know it. Yeah. Yep. So if, if that resonates with you, like, oh, wow, I wonder what I was taught in my environment, in my upbringing, in my experiences. You know, it was just a short 15 years ago that the global financial crisis happened. Yeah. And there was somewhere around 10 million homes, families that were foreclosed on. Yeah, that's right. And people were losing investments into homes that were maybe selling for, for 20, 30 cents on the dollar. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah. So they lost a lot of money that they put yeah. down and into that home. 
uh, they were kicked out and now had to go rent short a sales. place. Short sales. I was a short sale negotiator for four years, so really? uh, oh. helped hundreds of families avoid foreclosure. But you know, it was it was very emotional. Now you mentioned mindset, but part of the reason why we got ourselves into that mindset was really buying into something something that wasn't a great idea to begin with. That was that concept that everyone should have a home. Everyone needs a home. And there are a lot of people who bought homes back then that were not ready for home ownership. Right. They weren't ready. And then I will distinctly remember a conversation I overheard. I was standing behind somebody who was talking to the cashier at the grocery store and the cashier was talking about buying her fifth home. Wow. It was another investment home. And I'm thinking, I don't know what you earn, lovely lady, but I don't know that it's enough where you could buy five you know, four investment homes in her, her primary home. And I, I realized in that moment, oh man, we, we are in big, we are in big trouble. And I could see the writing on the wall, but I didn't No, I don't think anybody knew it was going to unfold the way it did. I remember waking up one day and hearing, you know, Greece, the country of Greece had claimed bankruptcy. And I thought, I didn't know you could do that as a country. And now I'm looking at our own country. I'm like, oh, we, we are. We're probably not that far. (laughs) I, I never want to make anything political, but um, if we ran our businesses the way that government gets away with it, we would we would all be yeah, bankrupt. That's right, because it's just uh, a, a perpetual going in the wrong direction. Again, I look at your book; it's got the arrow going to the right. Well, the, the country is going to the left, <laughs> and in this particular scenario, that's the wrong direction to be going. Right. You know, and it is. I, I know that you were up here a couple of years back or it seems that long. And I told you the story about my sticker bush yes, encounter that I, I had. That story, Mike. Well, it really was a painful one. And I got myself hung into it because I wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people get into uh, trouble financially because of the fact that they're not aware of their circumstances. They are just walking blindly. Maybe like you said, was kind of receiving maybe borrowed advice. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily tried and true. And the first thing you know, you're upside down. And then if there's a massive shift, let's say in the culture as what we've seen happen, a new administration comes in and almost overnight, there are trillions of dollars, trillions, not millions, billions, no, trillions with a T that are going out. And you would think, how how long can we sustain ourselves at this kind of thing? And then when these loans are called, what are you going to do? Right. And, you know, most people can't even conceptualize what trillion is. So just as a uh, as a guidepost, $1 billion, if you had $100 bills stacked on top of each other, seven feet high, and filling up a football field, that's the equivalent of $1 billion. So a trillion, we just, we literally can't even A thousand of those. <laughs> it's, it's mind boggling. And you're right. Our, our ability to grasp is gone at that point. Correct. We, we just yes. can't see it. And so that's the, that is a mindset, yep. you know, where this thing has gotten to be so big. And I think a lot of people in this culture, sadly, we love comfort. And, and Mike, we yeah, want what we want. We want what we want. We can get it instantly and pay for it over time, buy here pay here, loans, um, buy now, pay later, those kinds of things, credit cards. Um, PayPal even gives you, you know, four or five payments interest-free instead of just paying for something out of your PayPal account that's attached. I just recently uh, read this article that talked about a survey, and they were surveying people that earned more than $250,000 a year. 
and 56% of them said they're living paycheck to paycheck. And they're making a quarter million, quarter million in salary. Yes. I just read a headline on Fortune magazine literally last week that said the average person thinks that they have to make $233,000 a year just to make it. Wow. I'm way away from that. <laughs> most most people are. The median yeah. income in oh, Central Florida is 80 something thousand yeah. per household. Yeah. And and so when you start thinking about quarter million dollars, you know, not even being enough. Three times that. <laughs> so that really is kind of uh, exposing this really big problem that people have where they are not using. I know we have Dave Ramsey on this show. Mm-hmm. And he talks all the time about living today like no one else so that you, one day you can live like no one else. Right. And I've very few people that I know have that concept of delayed gratification. Most of us want it. There's a piece of gear right now. I'm a musician and I love it. And I do some work in my studio. There's a piece of gear that I want. And I could, I could get it. But you know what? Since I wanted that thing, I found some benefits to waiting. I've, number one, I probably would have bought the wrong one in the beginning. Mm. Number two, I would have not realized why that was the wrong one because it took time to learn. And number three, now that I've done all of that, now I'm asking myself, is that something that I really need? Wow. And so I haven't, I've been looking at this now for two months and I'm still sitting on it. I don't know yet whether 100% that I will, mm-hmm. although I could do it. And I think I think that has been a lesson for me that it's okay. You, life goes on. That's right. You know, it's not like the world ended with me not having that thing yes. that I wanted. But that's it, it. I don't mind telling you it, it. Those thoughts of desire, you they have to be pushed back because they're there. That's like I don't even have to make them come up. Yeah, it's called the wanting mind, and it's always there. We're born with it. <laughs> Think about one of the first words that we say as a child, as a toddler, mine, 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 mine. right? That's it. Yeah. yeah. And we're constantly wanting and desiring for something to fulfill us. And unfortunately of this world, it's a lot of times uh, things on the outside. Like yeah. people don't buy cars, they buy identities, right? That's right. Yeah. And so I'm seeing a growing Because trend. that car equals that identity. That's right. It's a status symbol. Yeah. And here's a scary uh, statistic is the average new car. The uh, car payment is over $600 a month, spread out over 72 months. Wow. Yep. What happened to the 36 easy ones, no. you know? <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. No 36-month plans here on finance, unless you've got, well, if you did, you're, imagine what your car payment would be at that. Right, because of how much, I mean, cars are yeah. a lot more than what they used to be. And And speaking of a lot more than they used to be, housing payments have just you know, skyrocketed. I just read an, an article last week that said the uh, first time home buyer would have to earn 19% more today to afford what you could have bought one year ago. So year over year, you'd have to have 19%, 19% more in income because of the cost of homes, but also that Inflation. combination with mm-hmm. uh, interest rates. Mm-hmm. They're well into yeah. the sevens. Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. Now the average loan is in the sevens right now. Is for, that yes. For a 30 year fixed for 30 year fixed. Well into the sevens. And when I got mine a set, I'm at 2.75. You hold on to that baby for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, crazy. I'm, I am talking to a lot of people that are in twos and threes. And I say, let's look at converting that into an investment property 
You can cash flow beautifully because you've got this very, very low cost of borrowing. You're locked, you're locked in at that mm -hmm. two or three. And then you go and buy your future home. I really do believe interest rates will come down again. Cyclically speaking, if you look at the financial cycles, uh, what goes up must come down. And once we finally acknowledge this recession, which right now the government's saying, oh, I think that we avoided a recession. We actually need this recession because the interest rates have been pushed up by the Fed by design to slow down our economy, to create a recession. And then it's very cleansing to experience it. And, and it hurts for a little while, but on the other side of it, everything can kind of reset. And so rates, traditionally speaking, have come down um, because of a recession. And when the cost comes down on those interest rates, it's cheaper to borrow money. Yeah. So the Fed funds rate uh, is what the prime index rate is attached to. And the prime index rate is what home equity lines of credit and credit cards are attached to. And it's gone up over eight and a half percent in the last year and a half. The average credit card APR is mid twenties and home equity lines. A lot of people are paying eight and 9% where, yeah. you know, a short year and a half ago, it was three and a quarter or three and a half percent. So if you have a hundred thousand dollars out, you're, you're paying big bucks spread. So it, it's stretching us. You know, a lot of people don't remember, or maybe they weren't born yet, but in the late 70s under the Carter administration, interest rates went dra dramatically up. I yep. mean, 21%. Yep. And no one could buy a home back then, or at least <laughs> unless not you were... Not the average, right? Not the average person could buy a home. And I'm, I'm re I was alive then. I remember that. My first house that I bought when we thought interest rates were reasonable and low, was at nine and a half percent. And that was in 1977. Yep. And you think about today at 7%, it feels so high. And yet we've, we just don't realize that we've been there. Like you said, it's a cycle. We've been there before. Right. Well, two, two schools of thought on that. Um, we have short-term memory. So we're comparing it to twos and threes because that was just a couple of years ago. Right. And, and that was historical, meaning it had never happened before. And it will probably never happen again in our lifetime. But the second thing is homes back then were twenty or $30,000. A starter home, Mike, yeah. starter home yeah. is three hundred. dollars and that's if you want to live in a shoebox that, you know, like pig with the lipstick in some cases, or it's just like, it's not what I want as a starter home. Um, you know, the median priced home right now is somewhere around 370 something, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It really is. I've got Christy Neruzzi with me. She's an author. Her book is Finish Financially Free. And uh, it uh, is going to be an exciting night tonight because the book signing is going to take place. Give us the place real quick. Yep, it's at the Pallet Coffee House in Sanford, downtown Sanford. The Pallet Coffee House. That sounds so cool. All right, we'll be back with Christy in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. 
All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. My guest today is Christina Ruzzi. In uh, her book, on her book, it's Christy Service Naruzi. And I know a lot of authors will do that. Is that just to differentiate yourself? Is that the reason you use an entire name like that? What, what is the meaning for that? Well, so I was gifted the last name of Service. My maiden name is Service. Uh-huh. My married name is Naruzi. And um, growing up, it was a little tough. I was picked on all the time with the last name of Service. My dad just couldn't understand. But, you know, kids are mean in middle school. <laughs> So uh, got a lot of jokes about it. And I just I guess I couldn't wait to get rid of that name. And then when I took on a doozy of a name like Naruzi, I realized just a how. Doozy. Oh, I caught that. <laughs> I caught you on that. I, I realized just how special service is. But God has a sense of humor. I uh, Honest to goodness, um, I just my my purpose for living is just being of service. And service so, is your middle name. It literally is my name. <laughs> so awesome. I, I dropped my my God given, well, my mom given uh, middle name, which was Elizabeth, and I replaced it with my maiden name. And so it is my my full name. But I think that service has um, a very special way of explaining um, the gifts that God gave to me. So yeah. I love that that's um, a passion of my heart is to be of service. Now you mentioned uh, early in our interview about being kind of down under in debt yourself yep. and how that you were swimming. That's the word I think you said. You were swimming Maybe in more debt. drowning, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty common today. A lot of people are really kind of upside down. Yeah, the average American has four credit cards um, and many of them are, are maxed out. And I cannot... I hate to even share this, Mike, but uh, a growing trend is that we have dozens of credit cards with balances on it. And it's it's becoming less and less surprising when I pull a credit report. And at this point, I've seen thousands in my career. Uh, but more commonly now, I'm seeing where there's, you know, 10 plus credit cards either maxed out or close to maxed yeah, out. Yeah. Yep. And um, I, I know that there is a bigger financial problem when there's a personal loan. There's a couple of companies out there that I know charge really high interest rate because it's an unsecured personal loan, meaning they'll give you a loan. And the intent, the intention is to use that to pay off those 20 something yeah. APRs on your credit cards. But what winds up happening is you go back to use those credit cards and now you've got a loan payment plus the credit cards and you find yourself even further in debt. That's exactly what I did. And so when I see that on somebody's report, I know what they're trying to accomplish and it just, it's becoming a a deeper, bigger problem. So that's when I stop and say, listen, we've got to figure out some things. And, you know, paying off your credit card is is one thing, but we've got to address the problem, not just the symptom, yeah, right? Yeah. The balance is a symptom. Now, you know, I think handling that credit card is the bigger issue. Uh, there are, uh, obviously, we listen to Dave Ramsey all the time. He would be one that would say, cut it up. Don't even have it. Right. And I know other people, and I think you'd be in the other people say a better plan for your mind would be to have it, but manage it, manage it and not let it kind of take you the question. I think then to kind of, to kind of put this topic on the table and kind of bounce it around a little bit is, can people do that who have notoriously been bad at managing credit cards? So there's words in power. So you could say, I haven't found a way to manage my credit cards yet, right? But if you're out seeking that information and then following a plan, 
Proverbs is all about planning. If you read Pro- Proverbs, I can't even tell you how many times the word plan, you know, a pastor would be able to, mm-hmm. to, to say that very quickly. But planning is just shows up all throughout Proverbs. And we've got to have a plan or we're setting ourselves up. We're planning on failing. Yeah, right. And so, you know, I love where Dave Ramsey really preaches and teaches following a budget. Most people don't sit down. And so um, most people don't sit down to think about where their money is going. But imagine you were the CEO or the CFO of a business and you didn't articulate where the money is going for keeping the lights on, for meeting payroll, for having a marketing budget. You know what's coming in and you know what's got to go out. So why aren't we being good stewards of our money and being responsible enough to sit down and say, all right, I want to take a look at this. It is easier to be an ostrich and just poke your head underneath the sand and say, I'll worry about this some other day. But the reality is we have to face the hard things. Yeah. And then yeah. once we can grasp where we're yeah. at, now we can figure out what to do. So when I did that, I, I cried about it a little bit because I didn't realize how how deep I had gotten into debt. I didn't realize how big my shortfall was. No wonder my credit card balances kept growing every month because I was I couldn't live without it. I was treating my credit cards as an extension to my income. And I, I say this kind of jokingly, but for a lot of people, they would probably say, I, I don't know if I could. If you froze your credit cards, right, and put them in the freezer and couldn't use them for 30 months, could, excuse me, for 30 days, could you get through the month? And a lot of people wouldn't be able to. Mm. And so that's, that's a great where, thing. That's a great little exercise right yeah. there. Yep. Try to go 30 days. Yep. And, and most people won't, won't be able to. And it's because the outflow exceeds the inflow. So there's a few things that we need to do. We need to get the debt um, under control. So once it's paid off and now you can ma- better manage your money, you don't have part of your take-home pay going towards servicing debt. In other words, paying for things you've already yeah. purchased, yeah. but now at 25% increase on costs because of the interest, right? And so if you could sit down and really be true to yourself about where your money is going and take a look at it, figure out what that that um, shortage is, and then where can you where can you cut but then where can you bring in? I brought in a roommate and she paid me $700 a month and I was able to serve her because she just got out of a terrible relationship. She needed to figure out and kind of reset her life. And she didn't have $2,000 a month to go and get a new rental. So I rented her a room and that helped me out. Mm-hmm. So um, so maybe finding a temporary roommate, um, you could, there's a lot of different things you could do. I got a side hustle. So I was, <laughs> I was working 32 hours at my regular job. So Monday through Thursday, I went and sold uh, jewelry at K Jewelers Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then in the evenings I was transcribing for a company that. You had two side hustles. <laughs> I, had, I had to, I had to get out from yeah. underneath this credit yeah. card debt. It was just, it was strangling me. And then as soon as I got out of that, I realized my car payment is way too high for where my income was. And so I loved my car, but I sold it. Thankfully, I didn't lose money on it. I sold it and I went and I got a car about half the value and close to half the monthly wow. payment. <laughs> and today, a lot of people could do really well selling used cars because right. the value of used cars are at an all-time high right it's now. It's incredible. Well, maybe... Maybe it was at an all-time high just a couple months back, at least. But it's still doing, still, still holding strong, still up there. <laughs> yeah. And and there's uh, a lot of people now that are re, let's say, resetting their expectations about a car. 
and how long a car can or should last. But Mike, I'm driving a 2015. That baby has been paid off for years. Yeah. But you know what? I don't have a $400, $500 month car payment going towards it. And now that can fund the other things in my life, my other bigger goals. I love taking vacations. Yeah. And those things aren't free. That's right. So instead of paying for a car, I'm driving an older car. It's not my favorite car. I, I'm lusting over some cars when I'm driving <laughs> down the road. But I also know I have bigger goals that if I can sacrifice just a little bit today, I'm not taking a bus, right? I'm driving a car. Like Let's, right. let's focus on what we do have rather than yearning for what we don't have. And I think that's the bigger thing. A, a lot of people, uh, they lose sight of the bigger goals because of the smaller ones that they just think will make them happy. And right. I talked to a, a family one time, they brought their daughter in for pastoral counseling. And this little girl was said, I mean, I don't know why she wanted this, but she wanted a horse and they didn't live in a, at a farm. They lived in a neighborhood for crying out loud. So to have a horse, it would mean uh, finding a place to house that horse. So you'd have to drive, someone would have to take her to wherever her horse was going to be housed. And then she would ride it supposedly. And then you pay for all of the upkeep and all of the feeding and horses, I'm sure, are not cheap. Doesn't I'm, sound they, cheap. <laughs> they, they weren't back then. But here's what she said. She was a little girl, maybe 12 years old at the time. She said, I know my life would be complete if I had a horse. Wow. At tw- age That's 12. Deep. <laughs> that I'd never heard that kind of a statement from a child before. Right. But that is what I think a lot of people feel about why they go. They take the plunge. They make the purchase. They buy something they really can't afford or they put it on uh, credit and now they're making payments. And then after a while, they see something else that they think my life would be complete if I had that. And this becomes an ever burgeoning, growing problem in their life. life. And then you get up much like what I believe a Christian was in Pilgrim's Progress, where you've got a burden and it's on your back. It's a huge burden Mm. and you're carrying it. And everywhere you go, it's pressing you down. Yeah. Did you ever hear of the marshmallow test from the 70s? I'm not, oh, and you put them in, see how many you can put in your mouth? Is that what? No, Oh, no. no. <laughs> that, <laughs> That's a different party. <laughs> I want to film that though. Let's do it. Um, so the marshmallow test, if you just go into YouTube, you can see a short little clip of these little kids they are like five and six years old. And they were brought into this room where there's a two-way mirror. And uh, the scientists just watched the, their reaction. And so they were told, you can have this jumbo, beautiful marshmallow. And this is part of, this is in my book, this story. Um, but, or... You can have two if you wait until I return to to enjoy this one. So they were seeing if delayed gratification was possible. And so they left up to sometimes 15 minutes and they were filming these little kids and sometimes they were licking it and touching it and poking it and playing with it. Oh my goodness. Some of them just devoured it without a, a second thought. But what was so crazy is that they continue to follow those children for 40 years And those who were able to demonstrate delayed gratification were so much more successful in every level in their life. Their marriages were more intact than Mm -hmm. those that couldn't. Uh, They tested better in school, higher SATs, went to better colleges, were better employees or business owners, um, just skyrocketed in their careers. Everything, lower, um, lower problems with drugs and alcohol. 
I mean, across the board on every level of how you would view, you know, success, they, they just, they were leaps and bounds higher than those that couldn't demonstrate delayed gratification. So I think part of it might be deeply ingrained in our personality. And I think the other part is it is a conscious decision and is it hard? Yes. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Well, I think most most things in life that are worth a lot are really hard work. I mean, you don't get around that. It's going to be something that you're sacrificing if it's going to be good. And I think it's retraining oneself. It's gaining knowledge. It's understanding credit. It's And I'd like for you to take a few moments, if you would, because I think, especially with a lot of young people, they'll hear people say, I've got a, a good interest rate. And so they, they don't have a problem with an interest rate on, on a home if they're buying that. But there's a huge difference in a credit card's interest rate. Number one, the credit card's going to carry a much higher percentage rate than what most home mortgages would be. But that's not the big story on it, right? I mean, there's, there's this thing of compound interest that happens on a credit card. So explain that for people who don't know. Yeah, so um, credit cards, um, most credit cards are in the 20-something percent on an APR, which is annual percentage uh, rate, which is a fancy term for calling it an interest rate. Yeah. Um, so most balances um, will require a repayment of about 2% of your outstanding balance. Most of your payment, though, goes to the interest. So you won't really see a significant decrease in that payment if you're only making that minimum payment. Will that minimum payment keep your credit profile intact and protected and showing on-time payments being made? Yes. But will it help you get out of debt? No. So although a mortgage that's typically hundreds of thousands of dollars has a much higher payment each month than what a credit card payment is, the interest rate on credit cards can just bury you and bury you quickly. So um, compounding can help you or hurt you. In In the form of credit cards, it can hurt you. Yeah, because, because that, it's 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 figured on the remaining balance. Correct. So if a person's making a minimal payment, you said 2%, which is not even necessarily covering every bit of the interest that was charged. May, maybe paying down the principal balance by a couple of dollars at yeah. that point. And so, so your debt tends to grow and grow because you're likely still using that credit card. Yeah. Right. So um, when it comes to compounding, Uh, It's either going against you if you're building up a debt record, (laughs) which will get you in trouble. um, It's going against you. If you could pay those things down and instead of making those payments towards the credit card payments, your personal loans, your car payment, if you were paying that towards a 401k, an IRA, an investment account, a savings account for you, many um, money markets and savings accounts right now start with a 4%. You could be making 4% on your your money just even sitting there. It's not outpacing inflation, but it is money making money for you, that will start to grow. And there's a chart in this book that shows that like, let's say you paid off um, your credit cards that you were feeding $500 a month to. And let's say you had a car loan or a personal loan for $400 a month. Let's say you paid those things off and you you moved that $900 into, um, you know, maxing out your 401k and then the rest of that 900 going to an IRA. If you did that every month for over 30, for 30 years, yeah. Even if it were just at 8%. And if you look at um, the S&P 500 averaged over the last 30 years, it's 9.9% APR. But let's say it was just 8% to be very, very conservative. You did that for 30 years, 
you'd have over $1.2 million. Every person would be a millionaire if yes. they did that. And, and if they if they let it go for 10 more years, yeah. it's closer to $3 million. It oh more than goodness. doubles. And oh that's the goodness. power of compounding over time. And so you're talking about doing that for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So if a person, here's the, the shocking thing. If you let it go for 10 more years, that means by the time they're 60. Yep. So delayed gratification, what does that mean? Well, when you get to be older like I am, and you begin to realize what you could have and should have and didn't do <laughs> because there are a lot of things that I look back on my life and I, I have those regrets and I wish now by God's grace, I, I did stuff and did something. But the point is, is that it doesn't take a lot if you're young and I encourage every grandparent to encourage their grandchildren to begin saving when they're in their 20s oh, I, or earlier. Yeah. In, in the in the book, I talk about when I started getting allowance and the adults in my life would say, how are you going to spend it? So from a child, I was taught to spend yeah, what I Yeah, that's earned. what it means. Yep. So you have it to spend instead of having it to save. Yep. Boy, that's something. All right, we've got to take a quick break here. Christy Service Naruzi is my guest. And that is spelled N-O-W-R-O-U-Z-I. Now Ruzi, but it's pronounced Naruzi. And she is the author of a book, Finished Financially Free. The book signing is tonight at the Palette. I think you said in Sanford? Yes, downtown Sanford. All right, it's going to be exciting. So get your book there tonight. Meet Christy. You'll be glad you did. I'll be right back. This is Afternoons with Mike. You're on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Always something to talk about when Christy comes up here. I'm talking about Christy Service Naruzi. Christy is a mortgage expert. She is a credit card advisor. In fact, she has um, she's known as Credit Christy. Yep. And and is that do you spell credit with with a K or with a no, C? No, with a C. Okay, okay, but the but your name is with a K. Okay. Yes. So it's Credit Christy. You can uh, Google that, and you're going to find her. She also leads a podcast. She's now an author of two books. Another one is Brewing, and uh, her latest book is called Finish Financially Free, and the book signing is tonight at the Palette in Sanford. What time? Yeah, so from 5 to 8. 5 to 8. Kind of open house style. All right, so for those that are listening at the early afternoon online uh, or on air, then it's a couple hours away. Some of you may be listening to our replay uh, in the 6 o'clock hour. There's still time. Come you on. could jump up there, meet Christy. I'd love to meet you. And and buy a book, get it signed by the author. All right. And so now I want to talk for a moment because you're also a mortgage, like I said, a mortgage expert. Tell us about what in the world is going on in this day and age with mortgages. <laughs> it's it's crazy, Mike. I've been in the real estate industry for over 20 years, 13 of those as a loan officer. Uh, I used to be a, a realtor. I was a short sale negotiator. All I know yeah. is real estate and finance, but I've never seen what's been going on, especially in the last couple of years. But today specifically, it is a hot market, but it's very, very challenging. So what 
um, home buyers are experiencing is they are experiencing a very small amount of homes to choose from. So very limited inventory, especially in the lower priced homes. And it used to be traditionally a first time home buyer would buy their first home. They'd live in it and enjoy it for three to five years and then go buy their next home. Yeah. Work, uh, yeah, we did that. Right. Yeah. Most, most do. Yeah. But think about what happened three to five years ago. Uh, interest rates got really low. And so even if they didn't sell their home, a lot of them refinanced. And so now they're in a rate much like yours, this beautiful two point something or three point something. And that's really hard to let go of and buy your next home at seven point something. Right. Right. So it's too much of a financial jump. So what's happening is these first time home buyers and, and a lot of people, even even in the next home, you know, uh, the, the 300 to 500,000 price point, they're in twos and threes. And so they're holding tight because they're comfortable with that payment. And we spoke earlier um, in our conversation about how the cost of everything has gone up. When you think about what you do with your finances that you take home, most of us work the rest of our life around our largest single cash outflow, which is our housing payment. So the thought of it potentially doubling, if you're barely feeling like you can make ends meet right now or accomplish those goals that you want to for savings and those kinds of things, how can you do that if your home price is now double? Yeah. So a lot of people are just holding on to what they have, which means we don't have a lot of inventory to choose from. Mm-hmm. So I'm not quite sure what's going to help break that other than interest rates coming down. I think if rates were back in the fives, I could justify myself uh anyway in my way of thinking going from a 2.75 or a three to a five but going from a 2.75 to a seven i just i can't grasp that well you know there's a big difference in the amount of payment that a person let's let's take for a moment let's use three and seven if we can use those interest rate points if a person buys a three hundred thousand dollar house and it's set at three percent right Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars more is the difference. Okay. Yeah. So in other words, if you, if, if they didn't buy the house at three, when they had a chance and they wait until it's seven, mm-hmm. what could it be as much, what, what kind of increase Are you, that it's just hard to imagine, right? Right. It, it is. I mean, without pulling out my calculator, it'd be very difficult yeah. for me to, to say that, but we're talking about hundreds of dollars a month. And, um, you know, for a lot of people, it's all interest. It is all interest. Yeah. And so that's, that's hard to swallow. But then if you did take on extra debt over the last two years because of the, the increasing cost of living, now you might have an affordability problem, not just being able to afford the home payment, but your debt ratio overall might be too high. So we look at the, the cost of the home plus anything else that shows up on your credit report, yeah. right? So credit card minimum payments, uh, loans, like um, student loans, car payments, those kinds of things. That plus your housing payment equals your total debt ratio. And for some people, that is too excessive to get approved for a home loan. Yeah. Let's talk for a moment. We've been discussing the the standpoint of individuals and the impact on their budget. What about banks and places like lending organizations that were putting out those 2.75 and 3, 3 3.5 interest loans? How are they faring in this culture? Well, um, hopefully they did a good job of, of really diversifying where they're investing their money. So if you think about it, a bank will loan you money. And when you are paying back that interest, you know, they, they make money off of that interest. So those deposits that come in from their clients, right? You've got 
$10,000 in your checking account and $30,000 in your savings account. They can bo- they can borrow against that money. And those that were making 2.75% interest current day is, is really tough. Um, but now to be able to loan it out at 7%, I think they're probably doing quite well. Um, when it comes to mortgages, most loan investors don't break even until about the third year of servicing that loan. So you have to have that loan with a loan servicer for three years before they actually start making money off of that interest because there's a cost involved for them originating that loan for you. And right now the current landscape is everybody's in that mindset that we believe that in a year and a half, two years, interest rates will come down. There will be another refinance. I don't want to call it boom, but you know, uh, another refinance uh, opportunity. And so those loan servicers may not recuperate their cost of buying and starting that loan. And so what they're doing is they're charging it up front in what's called origination mm-hmm. fees. So when I look at a rate sheet, whether I'm at a 6.875, seven and a quarter, 8%, I still have to charge points up front mm-hmm. because they know that they've got to, they got to get it now. They may not recuperate it. So the cost to get a new home loan is higher up front in your closing costs. In what's called a point or points, it's mm-hmm. a, a percentage. Sure. It's a percentage you're, you're of prepaying that. interest. It's and it's a fee. Yes. functionally, it's a it fee. Is. You're not going to get it back, uh, you know, unless you can somehow deduct it. I, I right. guess, with, depending on your business, how your taxes are set up, and all of that. So it is definitely expensive to do that. And then we we pray that these because what's happened as not only did interest rates as they were going down, house values were going up and some people were fearful that it was going up artificially in other words beyond the the point where it actually had that kind of value mm-hmm. and it, we all know that what happens in a crash those values can somewhat adjust and yes. maybe correct yeah and that's a painful thing when that happens it is a painful thing um there there's a couple different schools of thought on that there are some people that just know that there's going to be a housing crash and then there's some people that say with limited inventory and the amount of buyers that are out there that will stabilize that need for housing and then so it will keep us from having a housing crash i don't know that i don't believe that we're going to have a housing crash i i think um we're we're still moving along with plenty of homes being sold it's just difficult to be a buyer right now yeah. because there's so few to choose from. So I know many of my buyers are in multiple offer situations still. Now, two years ago, we were in 60, 70, 80 multiple offers in on one listing. It was insane. And so cash was winning every time. And obviously the buyers I work with are all financed. So FHA, VA loans, were they're a little bit more strict as far as their requirements for approval, we weren't even being considered when somebody had a cash offer right. in front of them. Yeah. So it was very, very challenging. It, it is challenging. And I, I go back to thinking about this, uh, the whole time frame, and, and I'm sure that there have been people who bought homes during this last uh, 10 years that would have what are called buyer buyer's remorse. But I would bet there are a lot of people that have not buying remorse, there, there's, <laughs> sorrow yeah, that they didn't, didn't buy something. Yeah, there's an incredible increase in equity right now. The, the difficult part with that, though, is there's a tightening of credit. 
And so what that means is what could have gotten approved a year or two years ago as far as a credit scenario, maybe some late payments or collections showing up in a credit report, we were able to get an approval. Now it's not happening. There were two I was working on over the weekend that a year ago would have gotten approved. And right now we're not getting that automated approval from Fannie Mae yeah. and Freddie Mac that create those rules and those guidelines. So they're they're really hedging their risk and tightening credit. So you might have $100,000 equity in your home, but can you easily access it? That's, yeah. the, that's the trouble. That is the trouble. What about uh, the selling the home and all of the offers that come in? You mentioned a time when there were like 30 uh, <laughs> that would come in, 30 offers very quickly. Uh, is there still a scenario of people getting more than what they're asking for their house? Yes, I, I'm seeing it often. Uh, I actually just received a, um, I, we're in contract for about a week and a half, not you know one of my clients, and they knew that they were paying more for this particular property than what it would appraise at. But it was completely renovated. It's got a beautiful view. It was everything that they wanted. So they're paying that difference between that appraised value and that purchase price, but they they went into it knowing that was the case. But that was the only way they were getting their offer accepted uh, versus somebody else's. So, so from overpaid. an investment standpoint, uh, you're talking about the appraised value, which may or may not be close to the real value. And we know that value sometimes to some people, it's what you want it to be, you know, <laughs> yes. but it may not be a great investment for a long time, right? Well, I, I think real estate is a great investment long term. If they were looking to flip it, in other words, sell it in a very short time window, then it wouldn't potentially right. be a, yeah. a good investment. But, um, you know, looking back at what has happened over the last few years where equity prices have just skyrocketed, there are a, thousands and thousands of people that now have created wealth for themselves that would be realized once they sell their home barring no major changes in the real estate value uh, in our market that wouldn't have had that otherwise. Wow. Yeah. I just love having you up, Christy, because you answer so many questions and you do it in such a uh, understandable way. And I, I think it's great. I mean, this whole thing, money to a lot of people, it's complex. Yeah, it's It really is beguiling to a lot of people because they they've not been taught how to handle it. Right. So the whole thing of credit cards, uh, you know, the, your viewpoints on that. I know you offer a lot of advice uh, on your podcast. So yes. give us that information, how people can find that. Thank you. So the podcast is called Credit Coaching by Christy. It's on, I believe, all platforms from Google Play and Spotify and all of those iTunes. Uh, so Credit Coaching by Christy. I've got over 100 episodes so far. Wow. Uh, it's commercial free. So I don't make a dime off of it. It's truly my ministry. And um there's a lot of really, really great information in there if you want to know and understand credit. All right. And then the book, Finish Financially Free. And it's it's uh, tonight is the book set, the uh, book signing. Exciting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And that's going to be at the Palette. And you said that is in Sanford and five o'clock, right? Five to eight. Yep. Come by five. anytime. All right. This is going to be an exciting time. And then, of course, so for mortgages, your company. Geneva Financial, and I'm licensed in Florida and Georgia. All right. Geneva Financial. Yep. And look up 
Christy Naruzzi, N-O-W-R-O-U-Z-I. Thank you for coming up and Thank being you. with me. I love, I love just, just spending time with you, Mike. It's just so easy to, to talk well, with you. Thank you. I appreciate you. All right. I appreciate you. And friends, same for you. Thank you for being with me yet another time. We'll see you next time right here on The Shepherd.